Hey y'all, I was sick all last week, which is why there was no podcast episodes. Thank you for sticking with me. In the description, there's a list link of all the news headlines I would have covered last week. I definitely recommend glancing through that list. And if I sound still a little congested, (laughs) that's why. Okay, back to today's episode. Can buildings take up carbon dioxide? And why was an award-winning Vietnamese environmentalist arrested? Welcome to the Climate Recap from the Beckosphere Climate Corner, your go-to place for international and U.S.-based climate news. I'm Becky Hogue, a science writer. Today is Monday, June 20th. Let's jump right into the news you need to start your day. Let's start with all the extreme weather events that took place over the weekend. Southern China experienced record rainfall, heat waves, and a tornado at the same time. The largest area hit by this combination of extreme weather events was the megacity Guangzhou, where millions have been displaced. Southern China expects to see extreme rainfall until Tuesday. This round started on Friday, but it was soon after a previous rainfall event. At least seven provinces have issued storm and flood warnings. Meanwhile, temperatures surpassed 104 degrees Fahrenheit, or 40 degrees Celsius. Over in Bangladesh and India, monsoon storms have killed at least 41 people and left millions stranded this weekend. These floods are potentially the worst Bangladesh has seen since 2004. This is because these floods have been exacerbated by simultaneous flooding in the Indian mountains. Rains are expected to continue through today. Western Europe so France, Germany, Spain, Poland, and Austria, saw potentially historic June heat waves over the weekend. The countries reached about 104 degrees Fahrenheit, or 40 degrees Celsius, or over. Catalonia, Spain, is battling three wildfires right now that have already burned a total of 3,950 acres, or 1,600 hectares. In the U.S., more than 60 million people from Southern California to West Virginia down to Florida saw extreme heat and humidity this weekend as temperatures reached in the 90s and 100s. More than 1,850 heat records were broken last week. Thousands of cattle were killed by heat and humidity in Kansas. And the water supply for Montanan cities around Yellowstone National Park is being jeopardized by record flooding. Yellowstone is experiencing a once-in-500-year flood, if not once in a thousand years. One city impacted is the state's most populous, Billings. Now on to a climate study. Mining waste management is becoming a more pressing concern as mining ramps up globally for the clean energy transition, and yet extreme weather events, particularly extreme rainfall, can destabilize waste facilities. Mining can lead to a lot of toxic byproducts such as ammonia, lead, arsenic, cyanide, pressed rock, and wastewater. A new report by Earthworks, Mining Watch Canada, and the London Mining Network has determined that current waste management methods are insufficient. Their work is backed by 150 community groups, environmental organizations, indigenous communities, and scientists. Mining waste dams are breaking more and more, particularly in Brazil, and this has resulted in hundreds of deaths. The study recommends strengthening dam monitoring and inspections, gaining consent from neighboring communities, and conducting annual evacuation drills. Now let's look at some climate victories. 
The heat waves in Europe are jacking up energy use as people are trying to cool their houses off with air conditioning. An influx of solar to the grid is meeting this increased demand. In Germany, solar has produced record energy generation. At one point in the afternoon last Wednesday, solar represented 60% of the state's energy supply. For context, about 10% of Germany's annual energy consumption is met by solar. The country has a new goal to increase solar generation from 59 gigawatts to 200 gigawatts by 2030. That same day, solar represented 23% of Spain's energy generation, 19% of France's, 23% of the UK's, and 27% of Italy's, which are all high percentages compared to their annual averages. Over in the U.S., the Center for Biological Diversity and Wild Earth Guardians are suing the Interior Department's Bureau of Land Management for violating three federal laws and two executive orders by approving more than 3,500 oil and gas permits in New Mexico and Wyoming. The groups are represented by the Western Environmental Law Center. The lawsuit claims that while the BLM recognizes that drilling on federal lands represents 8% of the nation's emissions, the Bureau doesn't account for how these emissions impact endangered plants and animals. I'll let you know if this goes anywhere. Meanwhile, the Energy Department announced it gave 18 new grants, which represents $39 million, to incentivize research into buildings that can pull carbon dioxide from the atmosphere. These universities and research labs are coming up with materials to take up CO2 by replacing existing building materials like lumber, cement, and insulation. Right now, the building sector represents over 40% of annual U.S. emissions. The U.S. House just passed a bill to allow for gas with 15% of ethanol in it called E15. Gas with more ethanol tends to be cheaper, and it might also reduce emissions at the pump, though that depends on how biofuel is sourced. Much of it is sourced from corn, so that rise in demand further increases the price of corn. The bill also gives $200 million to increase ethanol infrastructure and equipment. It will still need to pass the Senate. Now on to some climate fails. International climate talks have gone on for two weeks in Bonn, Germany, and now have ended in nothing. The goal was to come up with a method and monetary amount that wealthy countries would give to emerging economies to help pay for the growing cost of losses and damages brought on by extreme weather events. Developing countries have contributed the least to historic emissions and are already experiencing the worst climate change impacts. The study we touched on Friday before last determined that climate change has already knocked off a fifth of emerging economies' GDPs. But the U.S. and the EU couldn't come up with an agreement because they didn't want to pay the money. Wealthy countries promised in 2009 to start paying developing countries $100 billion a year by 2020 to help them transition to clean energy. Now the promise has been pushed off until 2023. The discussion of losses and damages payments is a newer one, and it will probably be discussed again in November at COP27. Vietnam has allegedly arrested one of its most prominent environmentalists for speaking out about the country's coal use. In 2016, the Vietnamese government followed Nui Thai Khan's direction to reduce coal-fired power. She said by 300,000 megawatts, the government compromised by planning to reduce by 200,000 megawatts. Khan received the first Goldman Environmental Prize for her work. 
But six years later, the country is still the ninth largest coal user in the world. Khan's still speaking out against the country's coal use. And then last week, she was arrested for tax evasion, which her colleagues say is a trumped-up charge. In January, three other environmentalists were arrested who spoke out against the country's coal use. Legal experts in Vietnam and people from the Goldman Environmental Foundation say these arrests show a worrying trend by the government. Khan has been a significant player in moving the country towards clean energy. During COP26, the latest big UN climate conference, Vietnam pledged to phase out coal by 2040. Khan was open about her concern that Vietnam won't hit that target, and now she's in jail. Over in the U.S., a U.S. flood program by the Federal Emergency Management Agency might be breaking civil rights laws, according to an E&E news investigation. The flood program elevated houses to improve the resiliency to flooding, but the reporters found that program money disproportionately went to wealthy and white people. This violates the 1988 Stafford Act, which requires emergency funding to be given out equitably. Let's finish off today with a chemical news headline. The New England Journal of Medicine announced it's expanding its coverage of the intersection of climate issues and public health, starting with fossil fuel-driven health concerns. The inaugural article focuses on how children, particularly in lower-income families and from minority backgrounds, are impacted by extreme weather events, heat stress, and worsening air and water quality. And that was your climate news for Monday, June 20th. If you like the work I do, please follow this podcast, give it a five-star rating, leave a review, and consider checking out the Beckett Sphere Climate Corner YouTube channel. Remember to talk about the climate crisis every single day and to support your local news organizations. Bye for now.